0: Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Maureen McGonagall. Maureen is the founder of Scottish Women in Sport, an organisation whose vision is a Scotland where females of all ages, abilities, ethnicities and walks of life are participating in sport or physical activity within a positive, equitable culture where their achievements are promoted and celebrated. In addition, you're a director of Scottish Sports Future, you're a consultant, a columnist, the only woman to have received a long service medal from the SFA Council, and you're a finalist for Sports Leader of the Year at the Scottish Sports Awards 2016. I hope that's done you justice, Maureen. (laughs) Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great. So it would be super if you could start by telling us um, a bit about your, you know, your background, um, your your upbringing, and, and I suppose what you were like as a youngster.
1: Well, that's a, a distance to go back. <laughs> um, yeah, my background really: um, mother, father, brother. Okay. Started it off. Uh-huh. We lived with my gran for a long while, which was lovely because your gran's always special. Yes. Um, and um, I. Uh, went to school was no great shakes in terms of sport at school huh. um i enjoyed hockey uh-huh. not so much netball um but was never really encouraged to to carry on and never in, it came into my head that you could go elsewhere and, and do it it was uh, strange family was very much uh, football orientated we're a west of scotland family
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if you came in on a saturday night and football was on you were told to sit down and shush you weren't allowed to speak
0: um
1: <laughs> so i think we were very similar to a lot of families at that point. Um, got married quite young, uh, mm-hmm. I think I was 19, around 20 right. and uh, I have two children and I have three grandchildren now. Have you really? Yeah, wow. uh-huh. so uh, yes I'm re- really quite happy with my lot at the moment. Um, worked in offices for a while mm-hmm. and then stopped work when my first child came along
0: Okay.
1: and didn't go back well, too many years later uh-huh. uh, in a part-time capacity. I actually went it back to worked for six weeks for Scottish Amateur Wrestling Association and that would be in 1985 I think Um, just prior to the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh in 86 they were looking for somebody to help them organise a tournament and I was there for seven years so so much for the six weeks (laughs) seven (laughs) years later still there and uh, from there um, I was then asked to take on a role with Scottish women's football Mm -hmm. um, which was a part-time role and uh did that for a couple of years part-time and then the role became full-time right. so that's the kind of in a nutshell where it was
0: yeah 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 that's a great great flavor uh-huh. um, of your background it's interesting how you you got into sport originally so how did that uh, the first role come up then
1: through a friend of a friend actually um, a friend of mine was working with um, the person who was organizing the wrestling for Commouth games uh-huh. and needed somebody for six weeks to do a, a pre Games tournament just to make sure everything ran according to plan. Oh, yeah. And at that point, I was looking at getting back into work. The kids were doing new school. Yeah. And uh, as I say, went in there for six weeks, and, and that's how it started.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I suppose at that time, was, was sport something that was on your radar? I mean, was it.
1: Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Um, there's no point lying about it. Yeah. Absolutely not. In terms of my kids, yes keen to get them involved, uh-huh. um, but me personally, no.
0: Right, uh-huh. that's really interesting. <laughs> Shocking <Okay>. news, revelation. <laughs> 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 so your, your role with, the, it was the Women's Football Association, That was 1993, is that right?
1: 93, I went in um, full time. Okay. I'd been working a couple of years part time and the role um, was then, uh, it was agreed that role would be increased to full time. So I actually applied for the role. Right. Um, uh, myself and a few other people, and was very lucky to get it. Uh-huh. So, in 1993 saw me going into full time work with the Scottish Women's Football Association and uh, having an office up at uh, Park Gardens in with the Scottish FA.
0: Got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you did that role for uh, a little over 20 years. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so how it flies. <laughs> yeah, wow. it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, the role that when you started and the role when you finished, how did it? morph throughout completely
1: that completely different uh-huh. completely different when I started it was basically trying to to get more people to play more women and girls into sport and, and build up yeah when I finished it was a completely different role mm-hmm. I mean we'd gone from an organization at that point I think it had 18 clubs um, probably you know five six hundred plus members to a, an organization that uh, has many clubs now it's got membership in their thousands and um, having great success in terms of the women's national team. Mm -hmm. When I first started in that role, I was responsible for all of the areas of women's football. So that would be international, that would be development, that would be schools, that would be youths. Everything was at our door. It was part of my responsibility to try and understand where those roles really sat in order that they could progress. Mm -hmm. And throughout that time, development and international went to the Scottish FA and um, the schools went to the Scottish f- schools FA um, and, and that's been part of the reason I think that things have uh, progressed so well.
0: Yeah excellent okay and you were the first female Scottish FA council member. Yeah yeah it,
1: it's funny <laughs> going back and saying all these first firsts because it doesn't feel like it at the time because you're actually working through it yeah. but uh, yes that that's the case I was the first female I'm, I'm probably still the only Uh, lifetime female lifetime member of the Scottish FA and it'll take a while for another female to get there because I think you've got to be seven years in council before you get that accolade Okay, so there you are
0: yeah (laughs) that's great so being um, you know obviously a predominantly men's sport and a male dominated area what what sort of challenges did you face with that?
1: Do you know I think it's quite strange because personally I don't think there were challenges because I didn't threaten because I was coming in, um, working on the women's side of the game, uh-huh. I wasn't threatened. So I was probably more given a wee pat in the back and, you know, oh, g- good job, you're doing it for the girls. Um, <laughs> rather than being taken seriously. It took a while, mm. I think, before people actually took the women's game seriously. And there are many people out there that still don't. Yeah. Um, but at that point, it, it wasn't so much of a threat or a challenge to other people.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. so you didn't kind of face any sexism or... I think there was there, there was
1: there was things that had been tradition that had to be changed. You yeah. know, then classically being the um, be, being the executive in Scottish women's football meant that I represented Scottish women's football at the council. Mm-hmm. Being in the council meant that you were invited to the pre-match meal before the internationals, mm. and the first pre-match meal I was invited to, um, I actually think it was when they were um, opening the South Stand at Mm Hampden and they were inviting back um, players who had played uh, football and had been capped for Scotland and my uncle actually fitted in that bill Um, and he stayed down in Stoke and Trent. Um, He had quite an interesting football life and he came back and uh, we went to this dinner and it was very strange because I was sat at the women's table. I wasn't sat at the table where the rest of the men that worked in the same environment you know the different organizations yeah. because they'd never had a woman <laughs> on council before yeah. so to be fair to Jim Fadi when I brought the subject up to him the next time I was sitting with the men so <laughs> then I'd gone in and upset everybody had upset the women because I'd left them <laughs> yeah. and then upset the men because I joined them <laughs> in one fell swoop yeah. um, but you know there was little things like that that um, that had never come across before and I think an awful lot of it is the unconscious bias well she's a woman, she'll be happier at the women's table (laughs) rather than perhaps even asking the question or just saying well the category she falls in is she works in football, she sits at that table. Um, So there were a few little things like that but nothing major. You know I was never excluded um, in terms of gender, I had plenty of stories of people who were. But again, yeah. because I was working in the women's side of the game, it probably wasn't so prevalent.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah? Yeah, mm. yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> so Scottish women in sport. Um, tell me about the the genesis of that, you know, how you the, the idea came into your head and, and yeah. what you kinda did thereafter.
1: Well it was it was a funny thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, not being involved in sport when I was young, so I'd never come across any of the issues that young girls had mm. um, found to be the case when they were playing sport, but then getting involved in Scottish women's football, I, I was appalled that the you know the national team had to pay to represent oh. their country. I was appalled that you know the success some of the girls would have. There was no um, no coverage. I mean, uh, and also if I were putting out some press releases in terms of what was happening, no mm-hmm. coverage, and you know you scratch the surface, there was no one no one taking any interest in it at all. Um, And as time went on, that did change, but there was still a lot of things that were totally unbalanced. And after the 2012 Olympics, Claire Balding, every time I jumped to my car, she was there, you know, put on the radio, (laughs) there she was, giving us another stat, you know. They weren't new, the stats, we'd heard them. If you'd worked in women's sport, you knew them. Uh But her delivery was powerful. People were listening to her because of who she was. So this was really good. Debate was starting, the conversation was starting. But as I thought about it, you know, I thought an awful lot of this is based around whatever statistics they have in England and they've got a lot of organisations down in England and it just dawned on me there was nothing in Scotland Mm -hmm. that collectively brought together not just women in sport but people who um, wanted to support women in sport. That could be anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, husband, wife, mother, father, whatever, physiotherapist, admin, an organisation like that that would bring together everyone Must have a powerful voice. Um, So as the conversation goes, a glass of wine one night at home made me think, (laughs) I could do
0: this.
1: (laughs) Downloaded the URL, Scottish Women in Sport, and put together a a very basic concept document, just thinking of the different things I'd like to do. The the things that you could do that could make a difference. Uh And spoke to a few people. I spoke to hockey and rugby first, and they loved the idea. But I know that people involved in sport are really, really busy people didn't really go anywhere at that point and then I started spreading the thought a little bit wider and everyone I spoke to just thought was it was great you know my kids thought yeah mom go for it um, and I spoke to a friend of mine James Dorman who's a, an MP and sorry he's a MSP and he said look I'll give you what help I can my uh, researcher will see if there's anything could do so little different bits and pieces like that and again on the the internet just looking at what's happening I came across this lady who had, she'd created Scottish Asian, Scottish Asian Women's Network. Okay. Um, she was a lawyer. She had been in a Bollywood film, and I'm thinking, wow, I'd love to do for Scottish women in sport what she's done for Scottish Asian women. Mm. And happened to mention to James this whole background, and he said, what was her name? And I said, uh, Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh. And he went, Taz, know her well. <laughs> so, you know, next thing, Taz came uh, to one of the meetings, along with Alison Walker, fra- a journalist friend of mine, a sports journalist, a friend of mine from the Scottish FA, Kayleigh Greve, and different bits and pieces, and Michael Kavanagh, who at one point, uh, when we had the Commonwealth Games in uh, Glasgow in 2014, was the um, chair of Commonwealth Games, and Michael and I had met many years ago because uh, my first job was in Scottish amateur wrestling. Yeah, of course. So um, Michael was a wrestler. <laughs> and it, it just kind of got from there. We we launched on the 13th of November 2013 at the Emirates Stadium in Glasgow. And we got Catherine Granger there, we got Judy Murray there. Mm-hmm. And the room was full and it was full of cameras. Mm-hmm. And Sky had sent out an outside broadcast van. And for all the years I had tried to promote women's football, I was thinking, what on earth is going on here? Yeah. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> and it was really, really good. Um, we had some great publicity. And that was the start of Scottish Women in Sport.
0: That's yeah, in- incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly inspirational story.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have an awful lot of substance at the back. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've begun to realise I'm not really what they would call a strategy type of person. Okay. Somebody said, you're an IK person. I said, why is that? Just do it. You know, just... <laughs> I just did it. I didn't think about it. I just did it. It just happens to be me. I wouldn't say it's everybody, but it just happens to be me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people probably have the ideas, um, but a lot of people probably procrastinate or don't execute on the idea, Uh which is the thing that that you obviously have done. Yeah,
1: and I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it happens to be the way I do things. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So your motto is uh, educate, participate, celebrate. Yes. I think that's fantastic. I really yes. like that. yeah.
1: And it's funny that Kay, I was uh, my um, my board member, Kayleigh Greve, uh, I was in uh, uh, Aberdeen. Her husband works for Positive Coaching Scotland and uh, we were up delivering something and we were driving down the road and we were talking around the organisation and what it could do and what it would be like. And at that point I said, you know, I think we talk about educate, participate, celebrate. And I went, that's great just remember that and how often do you remember the things that you come out with but we did we we remembered it and that's our strap line because it really encompasses what we want to do
0: yeah yeah yeah, definitely that's great really really good so is there anyone that you would like to have involved that you don't currently
1: in terms of sports people
0: yeah or just if it's uh, msps or um, really anyone i think for
1: us what we have to do we're three three years now in the Mm making and um I think we've got quite a good name. I think the organisation is well known. We've we've worked with a lot of organisations. We've supported them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've run our own campaigns. We've run three successful conferences, mm-hmm. three awards dinners. Um, so what I would like now is to structure the organisation, kind of get rid of my Nike tag mm-hmm. and be a <laughs> bit more organised, a bit more structured uh, and bring some good people into our board, some mm-hmm. people with... Um, the expertise and knowledge that can take us to the next step. Yeah. Um, we, we've spoken a lot about this with the board members I have, have at the moment mm-hmm. um, and we all understand that the next step is going to be a a necessary step mm. and a very important step and we need people there to support us that have got that knowledge. So yeah. that's, that's the kind of thing I would like at the moment. I think in terms of um, MSPs it tends to be the flavour, you know, equality. We don't really need to go and look for that, they're looking for us and we're happy to support Mm -hmm. them if they're supporting equality. In terms of sports stars, um, we've done quite well there, um, you know, encouraging them to to support our dinners and support um, our conferences Mm -hmm. and the more that we can do, the more that they will want to be part of it because it benefits everyone. And I think there's a real nice feeling in terms of women's sport where they want to help each other and they want to help the young girls and the young women that are coming through. And we can be that sort of catalyst that, that, that enables them to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm. Super, super. What are some of the main highlights and achievements you've had since starting the organisation?
1: Um, I loved it when our first conference um, went live on Twitter uh, and it was trending. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, this is amazing. You <laughs> know, people are, you know, taking notice. I really like that. I'm k- kind of a Twitter freak, so, you know, that pleased me. <laughs> um <clears throat> but getting the conferences over, I think what I like is I like the feedback. Because feedback so far and everything that we've delivered has been very positive. Mm. Because there's no one else out there doing it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so conferences have been really well received. Um, the dinners have been really well received. So that's nice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think the kind of highlights is, is that type of thing. Um, and just, you know, there's no one highlight. To be fair, the past three years, it's all been a highlight. It's all been really a pleasure to do.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but I'm sure it's posed um, it's, it's kind of challenges as oh, well. yes, yes. Okay, tell me about some of those. The
1: big <laughs> F in the sky, the financials. You know, yeah. it's really difficult. We we don't we don't receive funding from from anywhere. You know, we're not in the funding scale at the moment. That would be nice to think that would change because we now have got a history and a background. Yeah, it's very difficult because you know you go to grant funding and they want you to deliver something. Now we want to deliver a culture change. How can you monitor that? How can you evaluate it? It's really Mm -hmm. difficult. Um, And I don't think a lot of funders understand that the benefit of changing the culture surrounding women in sport is going to benefit not just sport, but the academic sides of of people's lives, you know, the mental well-being of people's lives. So the the impact of young girls being involved in sport is far reaching. It's not just the health benefits. But in terms of me changing the organisation to fit that, that just doesn't seem real to me. You know the organisation there is to change the culture, is to make women's sport recognised and rewarded just as much as the male side of sport is. And if I change that to gain funding, I'm kind of not being true to what we're trying to achieve. But, and there's a big but here, (laughs) because you've got to live, you've got to eat, you've got to pay your mortgage and that may be the way we have to go. And that would disappoint me, but the reality of the situation is that may be the case.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: we have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, that's a really tricky one, Mm. definitely. I think so. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, what are some of the ways that you're potentially looking at making it financially sustainable at the moment?
1: Oh, I've got some more wonderful ideas. And there's some things I'd like to do. I'd like to create Scottish Women's Sports TV. Um, you know I know that uh, live streaming is, is uh, an easy thing to do now mm-hmm. so this is something I think I hope to get up and running in 2017 um, probably working with one of the universities I've spoken to University of West of Scotland um, and we may take the conversation further but I see it's been a little conversation program mm-hmm. um, perhaps giving a little um, roundup of what's happened beforehand um, interviewing particular sportswoman or someone involved in sport uh, and then a sort of preview of what's going to happen. So a 20-minute programme once a week just highlighting everything that's happened would be really good yeah. and I think if I could get that off the ground that's something I could get commercial sponsorship for. Yeah. Um, I think also what would be useful is the Scottish Women in Sports Business Club. Okay. Um, I think for us to try and bring sports together with them. Um, HR chairman, you know, CEOs of some of the the larger companies to start that conversation again in a good environment would be useful. So there are many pieces like that. I'm also interested in, um, Nicholas Sturgeon has announced there's a 300,000 sporting equity fund. That's right. So that is something that we've been speaking to the government about as well. It would be nice to think that we could get some funding from that to enable us to carry on our work and perhaps work with some of the, the plans that they've got for this fund Mm. so yeah there's some things out there that may happen and we're also thinking that you know in some way in some shape or form someone may want to sponsor the organization we can deliver a lot we've got a good CSR um, for anyone who's interested Mm -hmm. so putting together a good package showing what we have achieved what we hope to go forward and achieve might be something that would help us bring money in Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah well yeah certainly I mean moving moving constantly um, evolving and moving forward there's always a possibility that yeah. things are going to change and things are going to happen.
1: I think in terms of um, social media yeah. it's a very strong and powerful tool and if we can harness that yeah. um, I think we can perhaps bring some funding in that way.
0: Yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah I mean the twitter feed that you've got is incredible. Do you think so? Yeah um, it's um, fantastic. We hide yeah.
1: at night time doing <laughs> it but it, it really is you know we don't see an awful lot in that but we retweet everything that's going so the more people that follow us the more that we can get out, mm-hmm. and I think it's amazing if you're not involved in sport to look through and just see the variety of sports that young women are involved in, the success that our Scottish women are having, yeah. and bringing that all together in the one stop is it's just great. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's something actually that's come up um, in a number of the conversations that I've had doing this, is um, around about Scottish culture and the lack of. Um, I suppose celebrating success, mm-hmm. um, which is something that your organisation does phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really feeds into, uh, you know, a, a culture shift, I mm-hmm. suppose.
1: I think, I mean, I just like celebrating, full stop, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a great reason to do it. But, you know, one of the reasons to do it is that, you know, young girls, when they're looking at sports women, they, they make decisions, you know, and, and they make decisions, well, I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to look like that. It makes me look um, muscly, it makes me look, oh, I've got to wear like, I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. They don't realise that there's all different facets mm-hmm. to it. And, you know, if we can show some of the glamorous side of the, the young girls, you know, going out dressed up, they're looking good because they're, they're working out, they're training, they're, you know, they're happy, they're content. I think that's important because you don't see that. So it's it's really just trying to get the the full scope of, of what the benefits are yeah. when you're, you're fit and active and healthy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm. And I think the emergence of um, newer uh, sports such as CrossFit is a good example. I was looking at some um, historic statistics last night actually that show that the uptake of women in CrossFit is higher than that of men, mm-hmm. you know, as a percentage increase, which yeah. is a, a, a really great sign. And I
1: think there's a lot for us still to understand in what motivates women, yeah. and it's not necessarily winning, <laughs> um, which can be difficult when you're trying to promote sport. That's not the ultimate aim for a lot of win- w- women. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it's, it's again, trying to impress young girls out there that it's about the camaraderie and you can enjoy having fun with your friends yeah. Um, and you know friends that you get in sport, they stay with you for the rest of your days.
0: Uh-huh. Mm. So, so more about participation than simply winning? Yes,
1: I think I mean, <laughs> I mean think that's the, the basis to everything in sport is increase the participation because from that you're going to have a stronger pyramid mm-hmm. and that's what you're wanting. You're going to have a bigger pool in which to, to get your talent and to get your elite. Um, so it has to appeal to everyone. We've got to give them that hook to get them in. And then once they're in, you never know where they're going to go, <laughs> but it's getting them in the door.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was reading an article that you wrote, um, and it was about Women's Sport Week. Uh-huh. Uh, and you said, women in sport are there 365 days a year, not just seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but why do you think it is that women's sport, um, you know, lacks the drawing power of men's sport?
1: there's a lot of tradition behind it Mm -hmm. you know i I think in in terms of how we've evolved Mm -hmm. um we have taken quite giant steps you know traditionally if we go back to when i was younger when i was married you know, traditionally then you didn't work Mm -hmm. um you know you had your children young and uh, you looked after them so if you left school and you weren't involved in sport and then you got married early and you had kids early you know you really didn't go back to it um so I think that in terms of women now have their own disposable income. You know, we've got all uh, men and women are sharing more of the chores. There's more time, Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that's traditionally that's has been difficult. But we are changing that tradition, which enables women to get out there and enjoy sport and and you know get involved in it more than once a week
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I might have strayed away from the question slightly there (laughs) earlier do you want to ask me again
0: (laughs) sure Uh it was it was really just why um, women's sport lacks the the drawing power of of Uh men's
1: sport I I think one of the other reasons that women's sport lacks drawing powers is that decision makers in sport in terms of media in terms of governing bodies in terms of probably everything has predominantly been male for a long, long while Mm. and that makes it very difficult. That Mm. has been broken down and continues to be broken down and I think we will reap the benefit for that going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay. I was doing a a fair bit of research And there's a few uh, quotes that I came across that I was slightly abhorred at. Um, There's one Tony Collins, uh, author of Sport in Capitalist Society, says, the roots of the discrepancy lie in the um, birth of modern sport 150 years ago. Victorian society viewed sport as inseparable from the philosophy of muscular Christianity, which defined itself against femininity and softness. And then um, the the person who founded the Olympic Games in 19. sorry, 1896, a man called Pierre de Coubertin described women's sport as the most unaesthetic sight human eyes could contemplate, which probably hasn't helped (laughs) in any way the the growth of of women's sport. But I mean, you know, some of the statistics actually are quite shocking, you know, 5% of sports media coverage features women. Such mm-hmm. a small amount for every 53 articles written about men, there's one about women, mm-hmm. and even when you dig it deeper around the pay disparity, <coughs> a few examples would be the Football World Cup, where men's prize pool is 22 million versus women's 630,000.
1: I think actually, there's a stat that says that uh, when America won the Women's World Cup, the girls collectively earned less than the men who I think had come in about 13th. Oh
0: um,
1: and one of the, the the recent stats that have come out is in terms of uh, sponsorship of women's sport. There's only 1% of finance sponsorship goes into women's sport. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the two fifteen Women's World Cup, mm-hmm. um, Fox TV had a 400% increase in advertising during that time. Oh. Um, under Armour have had a 60% year on year. They've now got 600 million. So it makes you wonder, why are they not investing in women's sport? But there are good news stories out. You know, cricket have had good sponsorship. Mm-hmm. S- the Scottish women's football have just had something from SSE. Mm-hmm. So that there are, you know, there are changes. I suppose for someone like me, they're just not happening quick enough,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, do you, do you think in theory that because Scotland is a smaller country, it's easier to affect change?
1: Do you know, that was perhaps my theory. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if it's still there. And I also thought because we were smaller, um, we would work together more and we would, you know, make it happen. Uh Um, But I'm not sure about that anymore. I have to say I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, You know, you do go down um, to London. I've been down quite often recently. Uh And I was down for an awards uh, ceremony. I was... um, nominated i can't remember the category now but i thought i'll go down and they had so many sponsors about them they had microsoft they had barclays you know, you name them mm-hmm. names that we can't actually even get to you know it's not that they've said no we just mm-hmm. can't get to them and i think it's a power of the city of london and um, people mixing and networking and we're not using that in scotland to our advantage that's how you know i thought Scottish women in sport business club would be good Mm -hmm. to try and get that mix starting to try and get that conversation started yeah um there's a lot of work still to be done
0: yeah Mm -hmm. why do you think there is a resistance
1: I'm not sure I can't answer that question because I think if I could then I could go about hopefully changing it Mm. but I can't answer it um whether it is just collectively you know it's the there's no coverage so they don't know about it, they don't know about it because of no coverage. I just <laughs> don't know. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping that we can break it down at some point.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really it. difficult. Yeah, yeah, I get that, definitely. What would you like to see over the next um, kind of three to five years then? What sort of for things? women's sport in general or for yeah. Scottish women in <clears> sport? Throat> <clears> throat> um, well, we can we can do both. Uh-huh. <laughs> I
1: wish I hadn't said that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: I'd like to see um, an increase in coverage of women's sports. I'd like to see an increase in coverage of sport so that we have a more variety of sport and, and, and within that, more equality within the sport. I think that would help also in coverage in terms of newspapers. Now I know that women do use social media a lot and I know that we do have live streaming, but if we are trying to get to the ones that sit outside, they're still looking at you know the the normal channels are still reading the papers Mm. so we need to have a bit of everything to enable that to happen so i think that would be important um we need to have joined up thinking in terms of um young girls coming into sports giving them more variety more choice within schools Mm -hmm. um rather than pigeon them pigeonhole Mm -hmm. more variety and more choice within schools rather than putting them into two or three sports giving them a bit more variety I think for Scottish Women's Sport what we need is to get some funding in to enable us to continue. There is really quite a difficult time for us at the moment so we have to think if we can continue to go forward. So I think you do hear that from everybody and and, and probably it's the case for everybody as well but for us having achieved what we have the past three years with the very limited resources and finance it's now becoming impossible. To continue at that level, unless there is some sort of influx of finance to help us do that, so I think um, these are kind of major areas for us to look at.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, okay. It's been uh, it's been fascinating hearing about your organisation and and the, you know the growth of it, and I really do hope that it continues to to gain momentum. Definitely, um, I'd really like at this stage to kind of you know, peel back the onion a little bit on on Maureen McConnichael and Mm -hmm. uh, get a sort of deeper understanding of, you know, really what drives you and and what makes you tick. So what do you feel is your purpose?
1: (laughs) (laughs) In life?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you know what? My main purpose in life is to to look after my family and to make sure that they're happy and healthy. Um, And um, that's the first one. The second one is just to ensure that young girls do have the same opportunities. I didn't realise all through my life that that's the way I felt. I knew that that things irritated me, things annoyed me. Mm -hmm. When people said you can't because you're a girl or you can't because you're this. I just never understood until much later on in life that um, within me I wanted to change that. Um, And it's really good now to have this vehicle to express it. through other people and to see the change and it's something visible. I always like to have results, you know, I like to organize things and have an end result and it's good in in this way to see things that are changing and getting an end result too.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things about you, I think you've got such a great um, or such great leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. Where do you think your passion comes from?
1: I haven't got a clue, (laughs) you know, really sometimes I look at myself and think I just don't know. I haven't got a clue, to be honest with you. I always just felt that I wasn't any different to whatever guy was sitting next to me, so why would I be treated different? So I think the passion is just something that's been inside you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. (laughs) Sorry, it's a strange answer. (laughs) No, not at all. No, no, it's a a good answer. Um, What is it that drives you?
1: Um... In terms of the organisation, because what I'm learning is as each day goes on Mm -hmm. about what's out there, (coughs) about the success. I mean, can you imagine having lived all your life in Scotland and not knowing half of these things existed? Half of these women were achieving. Mm -hmm. And and if you go to another country, you know, people just think, wow, this is great. And we can't do that for our own. Mm -hmm. I think that's so I I think um, inequality really irritates me. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand it because we're all born equal. Yeah. So why are we treated differently? So maybe that's that's yeah. the passion that's inside me.
0: Uh, I love that answer. Oh, do you? Yeah. Wow. yeah definitely. No. <laughs> I'm no. I'm sitting definitely. here thinking, wow,
1: <laughs> what a lot of nonsense. <laughs> no, no,
0: not at all. I, I do uh-huh. completely get that. You know, it's um, society is designed to almost create inequality. Uh-huh. Um, which I just I don't understand at all. No,
1: it's it's bizarre. Yeah. And, and to make judgment on people, yeah. I think is, you know, and, and you can, I, I can still do that, you know, everybody <laughs> can still do that. But I give myself a row. you know, as soon as I'm sitting there and I'm looking at somebody and making a judgment, I think, who do you think you are? I mean, everybody's the same. You don't know what other people are going through. You have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, you're having a hard time. You meet somebody and they're rude to you, whatever. You know, you don't know what kind of day they've had. So, you know, not to judge and to treat everybody as equal is kind of where I'd like to, I come from yeah yeah
0: that's fantastic
1: not 100% of the time well yeah I don't have a halo <laughs> shining above me I know <laughs> that but yes. I, I aspire to be like that
0: yeah yeah, yeah for sure and, and I suppose having the awareness is is the first step yes. in, in kind of catching yourself thinking those types yes. of thoughts yes yeah that's good what do you want your legacy to be
1: well do you know I never thought I'd have a legacy <laughs> if I'm gonna have a legacy really uh, just like for my kids and grandkids Mm-hmm. To be happy and do something that they want to do, so the legacy would be that I, I enabled them to do that. So that for me would be really important yeah. legacy in terms of Scottish women in sport. To me, that's not really important. It's important that whatever's done between now and whenever, mm-hmm. um, that it just helps change things. So it it doesn't have to be my legacy, mm-hmm. you know, because it will be everybody's legacy. Because I'm only one person, I'm not changing things. The people out there are changing them. I'm just bringing it to people's attention. Mm. So I really don't think that that would be important. I I can't get the words over, but you know, the legacy will be everyone else being able to do what they want to do. Mm. But that's, with them that will do it, not Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) But I'm just highlighting the facts for them.
0: Yeah, Yeah, very, very humble answer.
1: I don't want it to seem like that, but, you know, I can't think of any other way to say it, yeah, because it is, it's true. It's yeah. true. I mean, I'm doing something that I enjoy and that I love, which is great. And I'm getting recognition for it from people like yourselves. But what's important is the ones that are putting in the real hard work. Yeah. And they, they get it. So the legacy would be that they do get the recognition, they do get the rewards, and that young girls do feel that they can they can come into sport if they want to. Um, and they're encouraged to come into sport and that they enjoy it. Mm. That's really just it.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, I've just got a few questions for you um, around about sort of success. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you define success?
1: Oh, I think there's loads of different definitions for success. (laughs) For success to me would be happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that would be happiness. It doesn't necessarily have to have a monetary value on it. doesn't ne- need to have any other kind of value. But if you're happy in your life, obviously you do want to ensure that you can afford to be happy <laughs> so that, you know, there's a fine line, yeah. but you know, some people um, cut their cloth in terms of changing their whole lifestyle mm-hmm. and they're much happier without a huge finance at their back. And I think that's uh, happiness and health is the most important things. Mm. So, uh, that would be success to me, to be happy and healthy and have a bit of money in the bank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, Who or what inspires you?
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know if I take time to be inspired. I I mean, I I have to say, when I was working in in women's football, I was inspired by the national team. You know, the girls, they they put in a shift, you know, they, they train hard, they, work hard and they go out and represent their country um, and they do it for little or, or no recognition or reward. When, when I was there, I mean when I was there many years ago we had to scrape by. Um, we went to Faroe Islands at one point, we, um, the very early doors being in football, um, we asked if we could go into the the UEFA Cup I think it was at that point. In fact I don't even think it's been recorded in UEFA. And uh, we had to apply for a grant and the SFA had to agree that we could apply for it. Mm. And we asked for £12,000 and I was told at that point, well, that should do you fine um, in the group stages, as long as you don't get the Faroe Islands. If you get the Faroe Islands, you'll spend that all on the one trip. I don't know what you'll do for the other games. Uh (coughs) I think it was said with a little bit of glee, you know. Uh (laughs) So, you know, we waited and waited for the draw and we got the Faroe Islands. (laughs) Um, And at that point you could only access veros going via copenhagen and it was about 650 pounds per person and you're taking a squad of what 18 girls plus staff so yeah the money was all going in the one go till one night i thought to myself wonder if i could hire a plane i wonder if that would be any cheaper and you know i thought where do you go to hire a plane you know you don't go the yellow pages (laughs) um but i did hire a plane i hired a little plane that cost me three thousand pounds that flew from aberdeen refueled in Wick,
0: Unbelievable.
1: Um, flew on to <laughs> Islands, because we hired the plane we didn't then have to wait for scheduled flights out so we only had one overnight stay which cut down costs as well and we got a um, police escort back to the airport which they kept open for us to fly out, this was fabulous <laughs> um, and we're sitting in the airport the pilot came up and he said who's in charge and I said that'll be me, he said Um, got a question to ask you, he says it's bumpy, Bumpy coming in, because the Faroe Islands have a very short runway, and a very, very difficult um, access. And the girls had been a little green on the way out. (laughs) He says, on the way back, he says, you know, what way would you like to go? And I thought, this is strange, I've never been asked this question. He says, we could uh, go straight up the way we came back. He said, the views are spectacular. You'll see this, you'll see that, you'll see the next thing. Or, he says, I know the girls were a, a bit ill. He says, I can take a long, round road. What would you prefer? And I thought, well, poor girls haven't been well, but we'll never be back again. They'll never know. We'll take the scenic <laughs> route. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, you know, we did these kind of things and, and they came with us and, you know, they took time off work and some of them, you know, had to work part-time. So, you know, they inspire me because they put everything into what they were doing. And even now they're getting more support from the Scottish FA. They're getting some sponsorship. Girls are going abroad to play they still inspire me because they're fully committed mm-hmm. and they would probably do anything, you know, to enable them to play uh, uh, and to represent their country and they don't get the recognition. And all I can hope is that next year, as they go into the, fir- the first time, to the, the, the finals of the European Championships, mm-hmm. that they do get the recognition mm-hmm. and that they continue to get it. It's not like Women's Sports Week and it's once a week that they continue to get it. That would be the catalyst to, to, to kickstart um, a bit more coverage for them on a regular basis Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Brilliant Okay, I um, came across an article that said that you were a voracious reader when you were younger yes. do, you, do you still read? I do,
1: not yeah. as much I and mean, when I was younger I'd read anything I was a <coughs> probably the only person I knew that burnt a boiled egg because <laughs> I put one on one day <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and forgot it was on and all the water had come out the pan <laughs> and the egg had turned oh yellow in the, the shell Jeez. but yes, um, I don't well, i don't read so many books nowadays okay but in terms of twitter as you know yeah um, when you get in there there's so much to read on that um so i, I kind of miss the books i think there's something quite nice about just chilling out and reading a book and yeah. it's it's now um holiday time for for something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wh- what were some of your favourite books? So
1: when I was young, I mean, I was a Heidi girl, you okay. know, or uh, Famous Five or something like that. Uh-huh. Pollyanna, I think, got read quite a few times. I think Pollyanna might have been the, the boiled egg disaster. <laughs> um, but now I, I kind of like, uh, I, I kind of like uh, crime and thrillers so, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Following Harlan Coben as a, uh, I keep on thinking, write another book quick. I've read read them all, write another book. (laughs) Um, But I'm not a comfortable reader because if I get a book I like, I'll just read it, Mm. you know, and and I'll bleed the eyes till all hours in the morning to finish it because I want to know what happens. I couldn't just pick up a book, read a couple of pages and put it down. not a comfortable reader at all.
0: No. No. Have you ever thought about writing your own book?
1: Oh, for goodness (laughs) sake, no. (laughs) No. I didn't even get an English O level. I don't know what they've got me writing. Column in a newspaper for, you know, so.
0: <laughs> you never know, you never know. Uh, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Do
1: you know, I was thinking about that, and, and um, I don't know if I ever did receive advice. Um, or Perhaps it was given to me in such a way that I didn't think it was advice. Um, I got some advice when I was at football, but that really can't be repeated. Um, but in a nutshell, it... Uh, in football it can be quite difficult and you were seen to be, because you delivered um, the decisions, you were seen to be the decision maker, which wasn't really the case. The board would make the decision, I delivered it. Mm-hmm. And there were some really difficult times in football when I think back. And some people had opinions, of you, as being difficult, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And one of my colleagues had said, well, if that's what they think, that's what you be. <laughs> you know, in terms of being able to deal with it, you had to, you had to toughen yourself mm. in football. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the women's games, there were some, some instances that uh, made it really very difficult and made it very personal. So you mm-hmm. had to toughen yourself against that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, in terms of other advice, I've maybe just been too busy reading or running or doing something to, <laughs> to listen to advice or or note was advice. Um, I can't think of anything, I, I can't put a quote in that that makes me sound clever, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's alright. I don't That's have all right. one.
0: No problem uh-huh. at all. If you had an opportunity to speak to the 20-year-old you, wh- oh. what would you say?
1: Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, have yeah. more confidence, believe in yourself, mm-hmm. do it. Um, oh, I, mean, I, have a, I have a 20-year-old granddaughter and an 18-year-old granddaughter and I keep on trying to get that without basically saying it. It's important. I don't think a lot of women have the confidence until they get much older. Um, but, but just believe in yourself uh, and just go out and do it. And don't worry. Women worry too much what other people think about them. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I mean, uh, uh, even my own daughter is like that as well. You know, if everybody just realized that we don't... I'm going to get confused here, but don't assume that people think things about you. Mm. because if you don't think things about people why should they, (laughs) you know what I mean it's understanding and and going forward and just just be a bit more confident I think would be great advice
0: yeah, that's Mm. that's absolutely sage advice, I can't believe you're old enough to have a 20 year old grandchild yes,
1: and she's going away in January to do cabin crew training and she's never been away from home so oh. I'm really going to miss her because I have a great relationship with my both my granddaughters My grandson's only three so okay. I'm not ignoring him but yeah, <laughs> yeah you know and it's really really good to have, it's fabulous so it's quite nice yeah. being a sort of younger gran Yeah, Quite nice. definitely,
0: yeah. super If you could change anything in the world what would it be and why?
1: Oh, <laughs> I mean there, there's a deep deep answer here I just change all the the fighting and mm-hmm. um, unhappiness in the world. So, you know, all these people that have got a cause. You don't need to kill people to prove your cause. Yeah. So I just think what happens in in other countries is absolutely shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, and to harm somebody
0: mm-hmm.
1: because of that, it doesn't achieve anything. Um. So I would, uh, I would make the place much more. Airy fairy, we would all live friendly and happily ever after. I know that's not going to happen, but uh, I think uh, it would be so nice to think that we didn't harm people because of our beliefs. Because no belief actually tells you that by harming somebody, you're a better person.
0: Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a deep answer.
1: Yeah. I think I'll go for the eerie fairy one now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's brilliant. Maureen, it's been a fantastic interview. Um, I've Thank really, you. really enjoyed this. It's been great getting to know you. And um, I wish you all the best uh, and success with, with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely tremendous. I think it's a, a real inspiration for people. And, um, yeah, power to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you very much.